0: How's Work is an unscripted, one-time counseling session focused on work. For the purposes of maintaining confidentiality, names, employers, and other identifiable characteristics have been removed. But their voices and their stories are real.
1: Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: He is the, the pastry chef. He's the creative guy, he is busy with the products.
3: He is anything to do with customer contact, customer care, the the logistics, basically everything to do with what happens to the macarons from the door out. And it's a lot.
4: One of them is the creative, and the other focuses on operations. Usually, that can be a good division of responsibilities. And it works for them. What doesn't work for them is that they can't communicate anymore. They're exploding at each other. They're selling happiness in those beautifully colored French cookies. And the more happiness they sell, the more miserable they become.
2: The business is doing good and we're growing, but I think we lost each other a little bit in the process.
3: And I think there is an action and reaction and it can be very explosive.
4: When I meet them, they are scared, defeated, and they've reached their limit. But they don't know how to get out of these negative escalations that keep repeating themselves on and on.
2: I take his way of communication way too personal. Uh, I'm getting angry, I'm getting frustrated and I don't recognize myself in that kind of behavior.
3: I contemplated recently, I was like, shit, I'm leaving, I have to leave, and it's so hard. I I really love the guy. In a lot of ways, he brings that best in me.
2: Despite of all the situations and despite the difficulties we have, I mean, there is also another reason we are doing this. It's because deep inside, We do know that we belong to each
4: other. And what I do here is things are bad, but I still love him. I can't take this any longer, but I still deeply care about him. Help us manage our love relationship so that we can manage our business. What does it stand for when he says he's the creative?
2: Well, I mean it especially as like the product itself.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, the colors, the flavors, the, the way to attract people to get our macaroons. And I can be also creative but on another subject like, okay, how do you get the macaroons to the clients? How do you organize the company? So in that way, I know What he means? He means like, okay, together we have the company. It doesn't matter that he's the pastry chef and I'm the organizer, but still.
4: This is such an interesting um, division, right? It's like one person creates the pastry and the other person is seen as the organized, efficient person. Even though there may be plenty of creativity in the way that you get the macaroons, the lips of your customers. Is that a division you have just in your company or also in your relationship?
3: Also in our relationship it works like that. The relationship at work comes home with us and whenever we're at home the subjects which we will also involve Me being the productive guy in the kitchen, him being the organizer or anything else that is not to do with uh, production. Yeah, comes home with us. In what way? Um, You um, are the
4: chef and he does the dishes?
3: (laughs) Oh, wow. No. no. (laughs) 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 But uh, for the record, I cook the most and he does the dishes the most. Um, he is also a good chef. He, when he gets his mind into it, he, he, he can be amazing at anything that he does, and that's what I, I really admire on him.
4: Can you uh, say that to him?
3: Um, you are. I, f- I find that you are amazing at uh, everything that you do, and whenever you cook, I love it. Just as an example, but uh, usually anything else that you dedicate almost your soul to it um, makes everything that you do better. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we don't do this very often, eh? No.
4: Do you know what happens in a distressed partnership is that whatever is good is taken for granted. But whatever is problematic is amplified. And then you develop a negative sentiment override. Only the bad stuff gets talked about because the good stuff, what's to say? It's obvious. Mm -hmm. Now, when you said it, because you're sitting, both of you facing me, you were talking to him, but I'd like you actually to connect with him when you say it. Just look at him because it's through the eyes that the trust gets established. Turn around. Just face each other for a moment. I will watch, <laughs> but
3: I'm going to start like this. Um,
4: and look at him.
3: Um, I want to. I would like to stop being seen here in the house as the pastry chef, as as the one that uh, uh, has to deliver the macaroons has to be wired about the production it has to be uh, over worried about everything around it and start being seen as the partner in life and not all those elements that actually come with being connected to you at work.
4: But that's not what you said to him before. So I just was asking you to say back again what you had told him, which was not about you. Because when you start the way you just did, I don't want to be, that's not a wish. Yes. A wish is usually I want something. If you start with I don't want something, you're going to have an argument.
1: Yes.
3: You are good at anything that you do. And that is something that I really admire. You are determined and you get it done and you do it very well. Um, but there is one thing that you um, that I believe that uh, it's difficult, eh?
4: mm-hmm. Take a moment. It's okay.
3: It's even causes me to get stuck because there is so much stuff that we haven't been talking about.
4: When people are stuck in a relationship, they are caught in these repetitive loops or they can be in a state of chronic bickering or like here, they find themselves trapped in these roles that are like straitjackets. jackets. You are the creative, you are the pragmatic, and it doesn't give them the tools necessary to communicate and problem solve. And they need both at this point. And for that, they need to loosen the straitjacket so that they can become more flexible and more nimble.
3: And I believe that is the cause of what is happening now to us. Um, We almost forgot that we can be ourselves and not the business partners here in the house. Yes. When we have to talk about business and we have to talk about stuff that has to be delivered, it goes into our personal field and it takes over. And that took over me. I just couldn't let go of too many worries um, as a pastry chef or as a person that has a company and it has to deliver. So maybe that came out as a fragility because I had to go after the stuff that had to be delivered. And I was worried about you. I was worried that you had too much. And sometimes priorities were taken and maybe not the ones that had in my mind to be taken first and then I would come to say hey so where is this and where is that and that's where I understand we went in different directions wow
1: <laughs> you're good you're very good more than I thought that you were
4: <laughs> what does that mean you didn't think yet you would be saying all of this so soon no but you've been holding all of this in. He's been holding so much in. And when it just floods out of him, he turns to me on the screen and says, you're good, as if I am the one who made him say all of this. But he was holding it all in. I didn't do anything. He was so ready. He just needed a safe container so that he could speak his truth. You've been talking to him in your head,
3: both of you. All the time.
4: To each other. All the time. When you say to him, I worry that you're taking on too much, I don't know if he feels cared for or criticized.
2: I think I know the reason why he did not say this to me before, because I think he was afraid of me. Because I was really on the edge of my nerves and everything that he said to me was a critic or, yeah, it's hard to realize that, you know, we can communicate on a normal way and say stuff to each other, which would be quite normal to say.
4: He highlights how they've come to an impasse about their communication. The slightest neutral comment is experienced as criticism. And one of the dynamics that is so pervasive in conflicted relationships is this confusion between care and control. To the point that even a simple statement like, I'm concerned about you, you're doing too much. It's not clear if it's said, because you care about me and you worry and it's an empathic statement, or if it's actually an attack and a critical statement.
2: You know, there's a lot of love for me, for him, and I have a lot of respect for him as a business owner and as my partner, but there's some situations that I find really difficult to deal with whenever it comes to problem solving in the company or make a separation in the relationship and the company. He's really smart. He knows which direction he wants to go to. But he's also a man who is, in my opinion, dealing with problems in a way that is not really my, uh, my way to deal with problems. He's always wants to solve it immediately. I need to have time. I need an hour or two or even a day say, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to organize this? And I sometimes have the feeling that he doesn't give me the time. So I feel pushed in a corner, which makes me frustrated. And whenever the... It goes over and over and over again like that. Yeah, sometimes I get so angry that whenever we have a discussion, I become like, not myself.
4: This is such a common situation. Could be at home, could be at work. They have different styles for responding to critical situations. Basically, one person says, go on the attack, and the other person says, wait, 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 let's think it through, let's strategize, let's see what is feasible to do, and then one will tell the other, you're way too impulsive, and the other one says, you're way too slow and way too passive. And this dance between acting and thinking is so pervasive in relationships, and the two of them are experiencing this at this point on a daily basis and multiple times a day. You implode or you explode?
2: First I implode, and then I explode. He explodes. I don't see the implosion, so it just explodes. No, but, it, <laughs> but implosion is something you only notice yourself, right? So you
4: hold it in, you hold it in, and then?
2: Yes, and then it comes out.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
4: And you see his tendency to react immediately. As coming from, what happens to him?
2: Well, um, I know he he hates changes.
4: What makes change so fraught for him? What does he feel? And what's the story around that feeling for him? Because if you're going to have a conversation, we're going to try to have you have a different conversation than the one you've been having. You can, why I'm you can lean in <laughs> lean into the mic
3: and lean into um, the position. first there is a sense of uh, a feeling of fear
1: mm-hmm.
3: and I'm afraid that this will take over my tranquility which it's also related to the fact that I've been depressed and I've had situations in the past of that could easily get to me and I wouldn't be able to, to deal with it. But the first thing is this, okay, something is threatening, something is, um, we might make me go back to a state of not being well, um, or a state of anxiety around it. Therefore, I will immediately look for solution. And this is why a lot of the times I'm walked, talking over people I am, I am not listening. I am fixated on what I have in mind because it's a survival thing. Throughout my whole life, I've had situations, a lot of situations that I had to just be a survivor.
4: I'm going to slow you down. Is that okay?
3: Yes, please do. I get very excited.
4: eh? No, no, it's a lot. Um, So when a situation occurs, like what?
3: Um, Like... Machine? A macaroon machine that doesn't work the way that it should be. A macaroon piping machine that costs a fortune, it's meant to deliver, and suddenly is not. Okay.
4: So there is a bump, and your reaction is fear. Yes. And you experience it as a threat. Yes. And the feeling is, I'm not going to be able to deal with this. Yeah. And you're looking for an immediate solution, but it's not so clear if you're looking for a solution to your sense of overwhelm or if you're looking to a solution to the macaroon machine. In Uh, fact, it is absolutely (laughs) clear to me (laughs) that your solution and your entire psychological engagement at that moment is about how not to feel overwhelmed, how not to feel the threat of being helpless, and it is not about the machine. How am I gonna survive this? Is not a question that one has when a machine breaks down. It's a question that comes from way back when. Yes. So can I meet the survivor in you? And what does he, she, they say to you?
3: You mean the survivor inside? Mm -hmm. Something um, is taken from me. And in this case, it is the ability to produce more, to supply more, to, to to control more production, to have it in my hands as it should be, and too, to make our way of living.
4: Give me the story to the feeling. When you've said I've had to survive many times, what did you mean? When we're talking about a broken machine, with words like, I've had to survive many times, it is clear that we're not going to be talking about a machine, but we're going to have to go and find the history of that experience where life has felt dire, and a sense of survival has become the mechanism for coping.
3: I was the first son out of four. So I have two brothers and one sister. And I was born after three abortions, Um, abortions that happened because of, because of fate, uh, physical debility. And I was the expected guy. I had a lot of love, for sure, from everyone in the family. And then after two years came twin brothers. Then everything felt like taken from me. Oh, for the fact, just another uh, detail, my mom had to lie down in bed for seven months. One of my brothers, uh, uh, one of the twins also had complications. So they, they also lead, needed a lot of care. I almost feel that it prevails in my life, the situations whenever something comes to, to take over. It brings me back maybe to that, uh, to that past. And then came my sister. My sister also had some birth complications. There was a, a beginning of a cerebral palsy which didn't affect uh, crazy amounts, but then there was the princess and also took the spotlight.
4: One of the things that he alludes to here is one of his core beliefs, the idea that good things can be taken away from you. They won't necessarily last. And so when you have them, you have got to fight for it. You have to hold on. And he comes with this attitude of nobody's going to fuck with me. He fights with the provider of the machine like he fought at home for his survival.
1: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I grew up with a very difficult, it's very hard for me to listen and a no as an answer. And whenever a threat comes, this is the thing, I have to deal with it. Almost like if I don't, I will let this one more thing take over my life. And, and you cannot say no, Lord, that I need to wait or that I need to yeah, that I don't have the right to do something about it or to overthink about it. I don't know. It's a hard one, eh? <laughs> but I'm not aware how I cannot let this also, I'm gonna use a word very heavy, but destroy my relationship and maybe my partnership at work because it's very hard not to be this guy.
4: Do you know all of that? No. What did you learn?
2: I know him now for five and a half years and I love him a lot, but it's, of course I had the idea that it had something to do with his history, his growing up and his family and, Uh, But no, I didn't didn't know
1: this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I did not know this. And it gives gives me a good feeling that he's opening up towards me. And that's why I just stick with him so far. But I also want him to know that he's not alone. Talk to him. I wish for you that you understand that you don't need to do yourself every problem yourself because I'm there for you.
4: What I will suggest to you is that when a situation occurs and he falls prey to this sense of, ah, once again, my whole world is falling apart and there's another thing that I can't control and, and, and it doesn't matter if it's a small thing, or a big machine. The sense of, I don't have control over my world that can change under my feet at any moment, and I have to deal with all of this alone, lives inside of him, regardless of the size of the problem. When a situation occurs, just put your hand on him, Mm -hmm. and then you just tell him, you're not alone. Don't talk about the machine first start by just first of all grounding him and just tell him you know the loan i'll deal with this or i'm here to help or we'll figure this out
2: and i have to admit in in the past when we had these moments i would do the opposite i would run away from it
3: and i, I think, think that i was scaring him away yeah, then, then another thing is taken from me or from my peace of mind. Um, I think what I find more complicated is uh, is the fact that his to-do list throughout these five years grew and grew and grew. And now his to-do list is bigger than mine. And anything that is added on just feels like suffocating. And whenever I actually come with a request or even trying to point point something that has to be maybe brought as a priority in his to-do list, it feels like I am diminishing him. I feel uncomfortable when I have to ask. Then there is this impasse about What do I need to ask from you? What can I ask from you? And what is going to be the reaction? And usually the reaction comes into like, oh, what the fuck? I know it. I'm going to deliver. It's going to come soon. Or why are you asking me this again? It became harder and harder now to to speak to you about um, anything related to the company because I almost feel now that all of this stuff that, I, that can be brought up, even related to issues or not, uh, are threatening to our relationship, if we can actually find a relationship. And this is what I come with. And sometimes I, I am so focused that I, that I probably sound like, feel that I sound like inquisitive because I want to get that done, sorted and out of my way so I can actually be home and leave my relationship without the work connection anymore, because I am tired. Five years are exhausting. I have done this throughout. And now we have shared, we have put our companies into shares and we have a third business partner in. So I am desperate to start letting go and start disconnecting from all of this, that should stop us from being the lovable couple that we used to be.
4: At this point in their relationship, when he is agitated, even when he's trying to say something nice, I know that the message received on the other side responds to the agitation and less to the longing. And so I want to take a moment and first repeat and frame and clarify and interpret that which has just been said. And I heard from him, my fear is that any problem, small or big, can sometimes completely unravel me, making me feel like one more time I'm losing grip over my whole situation. And I start to feel panicked that I'm all alone having to deal with a a world that falls apart. And then I'm listening to you saying with great honesty, I sometimes move away because I kind of, I want to help. I want to be useful. But since he's fighting me, I just say, fuck it. You want to do it, do it yourself, which of course throws him further into the abyss. And his fear is about being all alone but my fear, as I've come to think of it, is I, Esther, have <laughs> come to think of it, is about made to feel incompetent, not good enough. So then I leave. You want to do it, you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all alone and I'm not good enough, is what comes home. Those yeah. are the parts of you that end up getting into fights with each other. Is there something of that?
2: Yes, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of uh, insecurity, not being hurt, frustration because of that. Yeah, that makes me nervous. That makes me feel like I'm not enough for him.
4: And what's the story for you that accompanies that feeling?
2: Um, I think I've been growing up with a lovely family and everything was really well, but whenever there was a problem, things haven't been talked about. And after a while, the whole problem does not exist anymore. So talking about emotions or situations is not something that I've been used to in the past. I grew up, you know, with feeling attracted to boys. It was not a big issue for me, but still I needed to, you know, having this, little secret because i was quite late when i was coming out like 26 or something i always fight for myself and i was used to being independent i think that's also a reason and i was i have a partner who i have the feeling does not listen to me or doesn't want to have my help or
4: but you know that that's not accurate right you know he's actually desperate for your help
2: Yes, that's what I know now. Mm. Yeah.
4: But the help that he's desperate to receive is not only fixing the machine, or not only the item that he wants you to change on your to-do list. It becomes representative of, I'm not alone, and I don't have to figure everything out by myself, and my world is not falling apart. That's what you're really helping him with on a personal level. Both things, of course, exist. I've been able to figure things out by myself my whole life. And I have a good sense of my competence. Why do you make me feel so inadequate? You say to him. Or that that part of you says to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And in fact, he chose well, because you are. Very competent. That's the first sentence he said. Tell me something. You started out as lovers or you started out as business partners? What came first?
3: Lovers. Well, uh, we became business partners because I came from London. I was meant to go back after one year. But after I met him, I fell in love and I decided to stay. And my decision to stay got me into the idea of opening my own business and he helped me with the with the opening and not too long later uh, he joined in and the day that I went out and I said I found a production kitchen where I can work I brought all the happiness in the world with me that day home to say I made it I can share my life with you
4: do you remember that day
3: I remember that day. I will never forget that day. I remember it too. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: What's one thing that you remember from that day?
2: The big smile on his face. Being proud of that he arranged the location. Yeah, I fell in, I fell in love with his adventurous side. No. I really had a lot of respect for him leaving London and jumping into this adventure and staying in Holland.
3: For you also, I, I, I remember that you also felt special because I was actually staying here for you. Yeah, And we have a dream that I could get somewhere. But I knew that as a pastry chef, I could work anywhere. I could do anything as long as I was determined. And But love was actually the first, uh, the first intention, and and this is one thing that I remember well. You felt like you were the reason, and I could see in you that, and I wanted you to see that you were the reason that made me stay. And everything coming after that was just an add-on, and it became our little world for a while, where. Anything new and exciting happening would make us just have fun.
1: And things changed.
4: It's not just that I'm curious to find out how they started. And it's not even that I just want to go and wax nostalgic. There's a reason for this question, like there's a reason for every move in this session. In this one, this moment, it's about poking a hole in the stillness of the narrative that is mired in bitterness and in problems and disenchantments. Do you remember the day you found the bakery, when there was hope and possibility, and you were forward-looking? It is not just that they remember the facts, it's that they are also connecting with feelings. It's the reconnecting of the broken thread of affect, of emotion. That becomes part of the healing language.
2: I never thought that I would have a company selling rooms.
4: What were you planning to do before that?
2: i was just working in different kind of companies and organizations, financial work. And then I met this beautiful man. You know, I like to see people who are creative and have uh, talent to make something because I don't have it myself. You know, I'm just not really a creative person. That That's okay, you know. But I like to see other people, you know, becoming a part of a business who makes people happy. You know, we're not selling products which you use for cleaning or or no, we're selling happiness. I had to get used to having a boyfriend, a partner who wanted to start a business. But at some point I came, I got into it and I liked it. and, And now it's our dream. But we have to make it our dream again.
4: Well, you can't make everybody else happy while you become miserable together. And Mm -hmm. it takes someone like you to be able to simply say what you said before. I'm here for you. We'll deal with this. And a machine is a machine. And our dream is bigger. People will always want macaroons. because they will always want comfort and happiness. Because a little cookie can go a long way. Oh yeah. (laughs) Because the cookie is there when you are happy and the cookie is there when you are miserable. And the cookie is there when you're lonely and the cookie is there when you're celebrating connection.
3: Yeah. The cookie is there for you to share. Mm -hmm. And when you share that bite, you share the love. When you break that cookie in half, you break the perfection of a cookie, which is that beautiful, You give it to someone special. You let that one have a bite of your happiness. Do Um, you ever
4: come home with a cookie? Do you still enjoy eating them?
3: We do enjoy it. (laughs) Although um, I really do it only in on very special occasions because for me it's still a treat. So when,
2: when we bring it home, we know it's special because it's a celebration. It's a celebration. Yeah, exactly.
4: Could you do that once a week?
3: Yeah. Uh, Will you bring
4: him a special one that you make just for him. Remembered it was all about how special he felt?
3: Yeah. It's funny because everything that I make, the first person that I think of is him.
4: Yeah, but he has no way of knowing that. Yeah. If you don't tell him that, show him that, share the bite with him on that, then he has no way of knowing that. Neither of you have any way at this point of knowing how important you are to each other. Because what you actually play out with each other points to the opposite. And then you can talk about the happiness that you provide to others, but it doesn't seep into the two of you. And that is a pity. And that doesn't mean you have to be a celebration on a daily basis, but it means that you have to not just dump frustrations on each other. If you can tell him every once in a while, every day when I create something new, I think of you first, then you remember the relationship that brought this whole business into being.
3: Yeah, I always wanted him to try it first, to be the first one to experience something that I, that I put my energy and, and, and love into. But now we went into being that small, full of trials and full of discoveries into a bigger, a little bit more, I'm not going to say mass production yet, but where we just made a range that stayed something that we created as an identity. And it's not as dynamic anymore because now with the pandemic, we just stayed frozen. It was more about, oh my God, how do we get that happiness into the clients? Despite the fact that we're not happy ourselves, but it was always the, the first word about how do we get that out of the door and how do we distribute or how do we survive or what do we do? And it's all
4: super important. Yeah. Then you add, what would make you feel good today? Yes. You're both shaking your head.
3: Um, Yeah. I think we agree, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's
2: an eye-opening. Yeah, we have to get back to the beginning where we felt in love with each other, but also ambitious and the happiness with starting the company and I think deep inside of me, I know it's still there. And I know we can find it. I think it's also to... to learn more about each other. And to respect each other more, to understand the differences, to respect the differences, and get to the point that... Yeah, life is, and the relationship is happy.
3: It all sounds really good. It all sounds dreamy and yeah, impossible. And I know what it. I like, deep inside, I know what it takes to actually fulfill a relationship. And I think this is my main thing now. And it's good to say that we can be happy, that we can be this and we can be that. And there is a lot of love and all of that stuff, but we had to go through a rough path. And I saw something in him that I really dislike. I started seeing things on our relationship that is the representation of all the fear or or everything that I hear in a person. And I saw it coming towards me. And I'm not saying that I'm the good guy here. I'm just saying that, okay, you are you are right defending your life however you want, but please, it's almost like, don't become the thing that I hate most or the thing that I fear most or the thing that I can't deal with. And that means explosion. That means um, a, a, a strong reaction, a lashing reaction. And then I go into the pile of I'm going to say anxiety, but sadness, self, uh, yeah, flagellation. Like, what have I done? I still need this. Am I asking too much? How can I ask, still ask him to do this for me and still to love me after? Because I am just constantly nagging about it. And suddenly it becomes like, okay, what, what else do you expect from me? I cannot do it this quick enough. But then it comes on an explosive way, and that is when I was ready to leave. Deep inside, I'm still fearing that. I'm still re- ready to leave. Despite there is love and, and there is understanding, and, and there is still that fear that I, I, I can be the activation of what maybe he disliked most also. But now we were already ready to leave, and now because of a pandemic, suddenly. A, massive, row, a mass, massive argument just forces us to stay together and face things in a different way because there is nowhere to go. And I'm glad that this is happening right now because we have you to maybe ignite. And this is happening. I feel a little ignition already that kind of wakes us up for what we can actually maybe um, love again. But now, how can we make sure that this same scenario is not going to happen over and over again? Because it has happened and it has escalated.
4: How do you make up?
3: Uh, how do we make
4: up?
2: Yeah, we don't. We just wait. Just be quiet for a few days and then at some point it's get back to the same routine.
3: Or when we talk about it, it's just a matter of settling into okay we love each other, let's just let it go. That's his way to, to approach it. And then suddenly he comes all lovable again. And then I start questioning, what the fuck am I doing? Why do I need to leave this man? He was the first reason that I actually decided to stop my whole fucked up life and straighten up and be the best of myself. And why do I have to be living? Why does it have to become a threat? Okay. so
4: you have got to reverse together the tendency to only point at the negative and the broken and the frustrating and to leave everything that you do do for each other as invisible. It's distorted. So this demands self-monitoring. Every day I'm going to make sure to notice one nice thing that my partner did, said, or showed something that was good for me, for us. And this is a training. It's a small little thing. Have I told my partner something? It's not something nice. It's just something that I noticed that they did, that they knew it. And it could be that they brought you coffee in the morning. And then it's one thing to say, thanks for bringing the coffee. But it's an even better thing to say thanks for being so thoughtful. The third thing is that as you sit and have meetings about every detail of what you need to do around production, around marketing, around media, etc., etc., you can see how many aspects of your business relationship you are paying close attention to. And meanwhile, you're letting yourself die on the vine. So, translate what are six or seven areas of your relationship as business partners and as life partners that you need to attend to? If you understand how important it is to share the bite of happiness, then you make sure that on a regular basis, every week, be it at home or away from home, you do something. That becomes we sh- we share a bite of happiness. You do it either with a cookie or with something else. Doesn't matter. But the point is that you create you bring that very ritual into your own relationship.
2: Yes, it's so nice the way you said it.
4: Say it and again uh, in your own words.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you put the love which we have for for a macaroon in our relationship, then...
4: We will always want to eat more. Exactly. Yes. We will want to see each other more, be with each other more, seek each other out more. Yes. When I hung up with them, I wished I had asked them to go and get a couple of macaroons and share the bite together. Because they talk about the experience that they want their clients to have, but I wanted them to have a moment where they could taste their own recipe.
0: Esther Perel is a therapist, best-selling author, speaker, and host of the podcasts Where Should We Begin? and How's Work? To apply with a colleague or partner to do a session for the podcast, or to follow along with each episode's show notes, go to howswork.esterperel.com. How's Work is produced by Magnificent Noise for Gimlet and Esther Perel Productions. Our production staff includes Eric Newsom, Eva Walchover. Huate Gatana, and Kristen Muller. Original music and additional production by Paul Schneider. And the executive producers of Howe's Work are Esther Perel and Jesse Baker. We would also like to thank Lydia Polgreen, Colin Campbell, Courtney Hamilton, Nick Oxenhorn, Sarah Kramer, Jack Saul, and the entire Esther Perel Global Media team.